Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. Pete is still out, but uh, fingers crossed he will be back next week. Today, we're talking about Minute 41, which begins with Steve clearing that fence, woohoo, and ends with Kruger stumbling <laughs> out of the wrecked Lucky Star cab. Joining us on the show today and all week, it is the team from the Timeline Scavengers podcast, Colin Parker and James Anderson. Welcome, gents. Hey, hey. Hello. I am uh, thrilled to have you two back on the show, uh, back uh, after talking about Thor last time. Now we're going to be yeah. talking about Captain America. Absolutely. Way less kissing in this week than than last than last week. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame, but like weirdly, kind of the same amount of chemistry, just like different types of chemistry, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, they, they, yeah. There's a lot of uh, uh, trying to get closer, and uh, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. it's like foreplay that we're watching here. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is a, a frenemy, like sorry, an enemy to lovers type situation. I think is kind of what I think is happening. Steve, put I haven't down watched your shield. All Forty five minutes, metaphorically. Um, <laughs> metaphorically, yeah. You're, put down your lucky star door, um, and let me into your heart. Uh, I also think that I I just want to say right off the bat. That I wish that there was some sort of serum that doesn't even have to turn me into super soldier, but just would give me an eight foot vertical leap like Cap has in the beginning. I feel like I would just be unstoppable. Mm. I would be slamming into so many walls. Yeah, I mean, same, but. You know where I first wanted to to um, to have that power was watching uh, Escape from Witch Mountain when I was a kid. Okay. I don't yep. know if either of you mm-hmm. ever saw. Uh, Absolutely. Was, for me, it was the original one. Yeah, of I course. know there's a. A remake a few years ago with uh, was that the rock in that one i've heard about it that the raw that's that oh. that rock meme where he's like oh, oh yes yeah. where he's looking yeah. over short that's right i've forgotten that's a remake or i don't think i've ever even seen that movie i've only ever seen the memes. it's one of my like the that freaky friday and like uh uh one more a parent trap are like my like yeah live action disney from from like a slice of life uh, of like the sixties and seventies. That's my, I yep. love that genre. Not to mention like the, all the Kurt Russell ones where he was like the strongest man in the right. world. And exactly. All those sorts of things. So the robot wore tennis shoes and stuff. <laughs> the computer, the computer wore tennis Wait, shoes. Right. right. Let's I was going to say, straight. isn't that just Bicentennial Man? <laughs> that's, that's the sequel. The robot wore tennis shoes. <laughs> Bicentennial oh, okay. Gotcha, no. gotcha. No, right. yes. We're talking about jumping over fences because of course, right at the beginning of this minute and continuing our, cliffhanger of a week that we had last week when we see steve jump to see if he can make this fence and we didn't find out until today that yes he does actually clear this fence it's like uh, a woody's roundup it's like the end of a dukes of hazard oh oh yeah oh. there you go let's see we both two went. different things yeah <laughs> see yours was more wholesome and mine wasn't mine was problematic so we should go with yours more more car based <laughs> yeah true so all right, so we're coming in uh, for you two midway through this chase. Uh, last week, we saw uh, all the stuff that happened with Kruger when his uh, secret identity as the spy from Hydra was revealed. Uh, you know, he killed, he shot a few MPs. He shot, uh, of course, killed Dr. Uh, Erskine. And now, uh, you know, Peggy shot him. She killed his driver. And now he has escaped in this uh, Lucky Star cab. Yes. And Steve has realized, hey... I can run really fast and I don't even need shoes. How, do, how does this all work for the two of you? It's like Tarzan. I was watching the clip just now. It's like, or like George of the Jungle, 
like the Brendan Fraser, George of the Jungle 95 movie or whatever. It's that. It's like, I am so athletic that my, the soles of my feet are, they have a healing factor all their own. Like, and I can like, because I don't have shoes on, I have this added like, uh, like dexterity, like, like agility sort of deal. It's that, but also, like, imagine being so weak that you could never put your bare foot on asphalt because it would probably kill you. I can imagine that. And then suddenly, you can just sort of touch it, and you're kind of like, ooh, ouchie, ouchie, ouchie. But it doesn't, it's not like, it's not going to wreck you. So you're like, you know what? Actually, this is manageable. I can do this. Maybe even all day. Um, he d- I, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I think it's in the clip before this where he, um, where he uh, uh, kind of John McClane's for a moment. Yep. It yeah. goes through some broken glass, and like that somehow doesn't cut him up, which is weird. It's like a baby Bambi into a John McClane. Like he can't really figure yeah. out how to make the legs work. Oh, oops! Now we're walking on glass, sort of. <laughs> but this first minute, it's the exact type of like action sequence that I'm like. Like there are some action sequences that I'm like, all right, given the athletic skill, I'd be cool with this. But there's some elements of luck in this action sequence that I don't, I mean, he's on a lucky star cab, of course, but like, I don't, I don't want to jump right to it, but like avoiding hidden gunshots is like, is like reverse whack-a-mole that I do not want to deal with. Like, <laughs> right. It's it. Ugh, I don't know. I, I just have something about like the running aspect of this scene. Yeah. Um, if you would like to know how fast Steve Rogers would have to run here, um, well, okay. I, I also su- suppose that there's probably some sort of speed limit in the city. Not that they're going the speed limit. Uh, but I also think that with that many cars, you probably can't absolutely floor it. Right, right. Um, through that busy of a city. Um, but we have before on our show during 1931 when there was a you know high-speed, quote-unquote, car chase um, in 1931, we had to discuss how fast was that high-speed chase. Um, but... I was trying to figure out, well, how much different was it in 1943? It's actually almost as fast as 1931 because cars got faster. Uh, And then in uh, March of 1941, uh, the president appeals for a 40-hour mile, sorry, 40 mile per hour limit on vehicles. The fastest that a car could go, though, it did max out at about 50 miles per hour. But also, like, this is not exactly the fastest car available it looks like um because i can't remember which which kind of car this was james once told me uh what it was the lucky star cab yeah yeah the, i mean like it like the what type of car it was like the model of car whatever it was specifically um but basically we're looking at probably a, a maximum of like maybe 40 miles per hour uh which means that steve rogers is running like again if they are you know hauling ass through the city he is also hauling ass at 40 miles per hour. It's a it's a pretty busy road, I will say. There there are a lot of cars. I mean, he is trying to swerve and stuff. From what I what I found it was a, a Chevrolet Master. I do see some people saying like at 55 it gets a little shaky, stuff like that. So I and, and that's, you know, people who have fixed them up now who are still driving them. So it's entirely possible that back then they weren't quite driving that fast. Um, so, but even then it is a pretty busy road and, but you're right. I mean, Steve, no matter what he's, he's not only having to run 
um, to catch to you know to match its pace, but actually has to run faster uh, to catch up. Right. And so, uh, so then, yeah, there's a there's a lot of speed in his step. We'll just say, and you know, and to run up a car, to run up a car, like yeah. it, as if it stares. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Okay. So this is this is this thing. Let's uh, just talk for a minute about how that they work how they how the filmmakers manage to sell us the viewer that Steve actually can run fast because i mean there's a lot of fast cuts that we're getting of him running uh out of an alley and turning and taking off and then you know the rear view mirror shot where he's kind of running and that's just a a process shot but it's obviously something where Steve is just running as fast as or Chris Evans is running as fast as he can and it never looks like they're speeding things up. So I don't think they're doing that, but it's like he's running and probably all the cars are just driving a little slower than normal to make it look like he's running that much faster. The camera will slow down when it's behind him and, uh, and when it's in front of him so that he can always, um, you know, if it's behind him, he's moving faster away from the camera. And if it's in front of him, that he's like passing the camera so that it always looks like he's just, he's running abnormally fast and the cuts are quick so i i find it very effective the way that they sell it like it actually works in it and it's it's very kind of old world um kind of old school movie making and that's something i love about uh joe johnston is that he plays with these techniques in ways where it's like you don't have to actually digitally have this guy all of a sudden running super fast um, or doing the wire rig thing that they did with Blonsky in The Incredible Hulk, which honestly was pretty cool, uh, the way that right. they did that. <laughs> but still, <laughs> so right. This I, I so I you, something that you just said made me made me wonder about like how slow maybe they had to drive for him to then run and make it look natural. Uh, but earlier when I was looking things up about you know like Usain Bolt, so Usain Bolt runs a little over twenty seven miles per hour, right? Uh. Chris Evans, honest to God, does not run that much slower during the time of like filming stuff when he was like, you know, preparing for things. And specifically, this is also for um, for uh, Winter Soldier, uh, because he had to be able to way outpace Sam Wilson. He said in an interview that at that time he was running a comfortable 13 miles in 30 minutes, which is 26 miles per hour, which is. Uh, just shy of two miles per hour less than what Usain Bolt runs for the 100 meter. Um, uh, and then also the MCU does say that he clocks in at 30 miles per hour. So uh, that means that the cars have to be going maybe 25 maximum for him to be able to catch up with ease when like coming from like around the corner and jumping over fences and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's crazy fast, which, which also speaks to why he has no control over himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. If I ran 30 miles per hour, I also would probably go through many windows. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny. Cause this is, you know, in Iron Man, we had a whole montage of Tony learning how to use the suit and trying to find the right ways mm-hmm. to, to do everything with that's the suit. Point, yeah. And Ever since then, that montage has kind of been all of these these superheroes like they just showing us, okay, they've all now had to go through their own montage. We're just not going to show you their whole montage. And in a sense, this is kind of Steve's montage. This is him learning what sorts of powers he has. I mean, at this point, it's really just, uh, you know, speed and strength. Um, but I mean, we really kind of, this is him learning what he can do. And from this point on, we don't need to see him learning anymore. This is kind of like, now he knows it knows what he can do. 
but we do see him learning more. We do. This is like I um we actually this movie from the point where he becomes actual normal size Steve Rogers to the 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 Valkyrie at the end is basically just a series of of like nested montages where it's like here he learns how to that he can run real fast and also how to not crash into uh, buildings and ruin someone's uh, say yes to the dress moment. And then the next <laughs> he learns how to confidently sell Captain America on the USO tour. And then he learns how to, you know, then he'll, he learns how to do, you know, throw shield stuff. And like that, like montage right. where they're doing all those Hydra bases, not to jump ahead, but like Colin brilliantly pointed out early, early on in our, in our recording about this, that it's a montage of him figuring out the things he can do with the shield. And I think that, right. uh, you know, it's not oops, all montages, but it is interesting that it's like, it's almost like you watch him uh, leveling up, which is kind of cool. Right. And this is the first instance of that. A lot of Marvel movies don't take place over multiple years yes, as well. Good point. So like, this is, this is an instance where you kind of have to do some time crunch and time jumping and so it does make sense to show the moments where he like throws the shield for the first time and notices that he can catch it, but it's like clunky to do so. And then he starts learning, oh, okay, if I throw it this way, it goes one, two, three, and then it comes back to me. And then the next time it's like six bounces, and then it comes back kind of thing. Like all that sort of thing. And the same, even with this same scene, like he takes that first corner way too fast and crashes through a window. But then the next time he kind of does a corner, he doesn't do that. It speaks to his brain that, that people don't often talk about. And I certainly didn't think about before he started watching this movie that like, you know, there are several instances where we're supposed to take he's learning incredibly fast. He is adjusting mm-hmm. in the moment. And then, of course, the mem- map memory, of course, like we talked about. But like um, it the, like we were talking about, like he's oh, OK, I see. Now I know that. Now I've learned that. Yeah. Now yeah, I'm good yeah. at that. Right. Yeah. He's his yeah. own taskmaster. That's yeah. That's a good point. And and he is <laughs> he is somebody who's constantly uh, trying new things and and able to kind of adapt and instantly from that point forward can now do those things. Yeah. So yeah, to your Absolutely. point, yeah. I mean, he is he is constantly learning all that stuff. And I guess I was just thinking, like, in context of him being like, like you know, now he's you know this soldier guy and he can go out and fight. But yeah, you're right. He has a lot to learn as far as like how to use his shield and all that sort of stuff. It's a it's a mm-hmm. it's a bigger delta than the other montages for sure. Like it's yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I don't know what I'm sorry sorry to like you know, I'm this guy leaping over fences like. <laughs> Like, I'm also realizing that he also did go through basic training, but they were all things that he couldn't do. But I also wonder if it's this is also him learning to uh, how to apply that knowledge in real time as well. Because like he now he like he knows now proper technique to do like hurdles or, you know, climbing or whatever. And like he's like, okay, I couldn't do that earlier because it would literally cause me to have asthma and like pass out. But like now, would it have been too much if as he was going through this, it was like repeated things that he couldn't do during during his training where it's like, oh, he's got to climb a net and now he can not not to me. <laughs> would be that cool. would have been that would have been fantastic. It would have made this movie feel like a Mighty Ducks movie, which is not a bad thing, <laughs> but it would have made me like like and then the last shot is him chasing kruger they find themselves at the ropes course at camp lehigh and he has to take the ropes course as fast as possible well does he do like a rope wall 
at That's, some point, yeah, yep. right? So I just realized that he does do the rope wall in this scene, but instead of climbing the rope, he just jumps it. He just jumps the fence. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Hodge can't kick you down if you just leap over the fence with one <laughs> with one single bound. Exactly. Exactly. I well, and you know, to your point about the basic training, I mean, he only had a week of training, and basic training is certainly right. a lot longer right. than that. But um, so, so it's not like he really was picking up on a lot of things, and it was a weird training anyway, because it's like they're they're doing some physical tests and stuff, but also it's like. I don't know. I guess the whole idea was to really figure out who is actually the right type of person to. It was like, uh, so you want to be Captain America, the reality TV show with Tom Burr's like, on. You're doing actual stuff, yeah. but it's not anywhere near. <laughs> I'm surprised that Disney hasn't picked up on that and started their own little boot camp <laughs> to be like, who's going to be the next great uh, representative we can call Captain America. They just yeah, tw- twenty seasons in, there's a there's an entire division of Disney, like the Disney Battalion. And they're like, what? We militarized. Who's surprised? Right. Yeah. No one's surprised. But also, I will say your idea of like doing the thing of like kind of like the next top model version of next top like superhero. They did do that. It was called Fa- uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's um, funny. That that yeah. is funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Before we get to the point where he's leaping over the cars, I do want to real quick just jump back to a conversation we were having last week to talk about the signs and the this location in which we're filming, these Brooklyn streets, which really are mostly turning up and down the same streets at the Universal Studios, um, <laughs> right. uh, the New York, New York set. So I was looking at all the different signs, trying to see what repeats I can see. And I do see a lot of new ones, like there's an electrician and locksmith. I see there's a poster up for Criterion, and it says, like, Cassidy in See You Later, last week only. And then it also has information about the football Brooklyn Dodgers, which we saw posters for that way back when Steve first came out of the movie theater fighting mm. the uh, the loud jerk. Um, he does run past Broussards, which is the store um, right in front of which uh, Kruger uh, crashes when his driver gets killed. So they're passing <laughs> this location that we've already seen before. We do actually see very early in the minute, Steve runs right past Audrey's bridalware again, the place that he earlier Uh-oh. had crashed through the window. Yeah, like a 10 seconds in. Lots can, of locations. You can see Lots it of locations. The, uh, there's, they, yeah. they are everywhere. Very popular mm-hmm. in the Brooklyn area. Oh, no, you need the 34th it's, Street. Well, one's the storefront, one's the right, warehouse. Right, right, yeah, exactly. You know, like, like Cafe du Monde. Exactly. Like, you know? if you, go, yo, you went to that one? <laughs> there's two mm, locations on Decatur. All right, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a Silks, Woolens, and Linens store. There's Hoffman's something. I can't quite read the sign. There's a Keaton's, which actually we see a couple times. Uh, and it's funny, because when we see Keaton's, the next, uh, when we cut back to it, um, they are passing it again. So clearly it's just one of these things where they, they had to, you know, they, they just were making it work. And, you know, honestly, yeah. who's, who's paying attention to any of this unless you're doing a movies right. by minutes podcast. Exactly. Yeah. That reminds me, in, uh, there's an establishing shot in, in, in the agents of shield, 1931 stuff we did where the place where they're supposed to end up is literally the first store they're going to encounter. It's this, it's this drugstore. <laughs> yep. And as they pull back, it's like, that's the drugstore right there. Why are they walking down the street? Like there's no crime scene. Is there a second location? What's happening here? It's just that they come back at like a different angle to right. make it look like it's a different yeah. street kind of thing. Yeah. Right, exactly. It, yeah. And that's the same thing with this whole thing. Because when we first see the the boys playing stickball in the street and the car go by with uh, with Peggy and Steve in it, they pass the building that has the uh, 
later, I mean, it will have the antique shop. They literally like drive right by it <laughs> and then go through all of this only to land at the exact same spot. It's it's very funny. So Steve can't know where it is. She blindfolds him with her wiles. It's that <laughs> secret. It's that secret. But at the same time, he's like, I got my ass kicked in that, you know, in that uh, alleyway and that alleyway, which is the same alleyway. That would be so funny. It's the same alley. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and that one? I've, that I've almost one. forgotten, though, that. So, yeah, they. So, like, he does he run straight back through where he saw little Spud Chandler, Raleigh Hemsley, Bud Metheny, Snuffy Sternweiss, and Tuck Stainback playing uh, stickball out in the. <laughs> they street? never pass that location again. Did you did you guys name okay. all of them on your show? Is that where? You... Oh, those are those are actual players because uh, I had to make a 1943 baseball reference. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He did. Gotcha. Con- gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I see. <laughs> what was the what's that the one, last that one, one? Was just Tur- for me. Stud Stain. What is it? <laughs> There's Tuck, Tuck Stainback, which is, the, prob- is the, probably the, the last closest one. first one. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. But Spud Chandler is my favorite name I've right. ever heard. Right. That's he, a, he should that, be playing yeah. basketball. Good. It's a great name. Yeah. Spud. Good old Spud. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, no, they never go past that location again. But again, it's the antique shop. And uh, but we do see the same CG uh, as we go through this minute toward the the end of the minute. We will see that same CG Brooklyn Bridge uh, pop up again in a, like a few backgrounds as they're as they're getting closer to it. Uh, it may, maybe not be this one. It might be the next one. But we do. We will start seeing the Brooklyn Bridge show up. Um, it's the Eiffel Tower of Brooklyn. It's, right. You can right. see it every. If you, you can see it, if from you can't every, see from it, everywhere. I don't know that you're really. <laughs> you're in Brooklyn not actually anymore. in Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> right. You've gone too far. Yeah. yeah. Turn around. There it is. Uh, a few other signs. There's a Carlino's Meat and Poultry Market. Uh, there's a War Bonds sign, which we've seen before. Uh, that wholesale no. flags sign uh, we've seen before, but now it's in a totally different place. And again, there's well, and there's a sign for an Oldham's slash Kiernan's. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but so yeah, you can see how the art department was like pulling things down and putting them up in different places and changing out, uh, you know, the the awnings and doing all of this sort of sort of stuff, moving cars around just to make it. Uh, to make it sell and make it so that as they cut from street to street, we, the audience, have no clue. We get lost in the directions of this whole thing because they're turning left, they're turning right, and they're going through alleys and all this sort of stuff. So they very purposefully design it where, you know, we can't ever really get our our, um, kind of our grounding. And, you know, again, we're not paying attention to that. So it works. I just it's fun to kind of notice that as you kind of go through it this way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's that it's that that Looney Tunes like repeated background scenery thing where it's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Right? Yeah, just paint it and it's on a spin. There's thing. a uh, if I if I may do the thing that I do. There's a Simpsons episode where uh, Bart and Lisa are talking to the Itchy and Scratchy, like the president of of the Itchy and Scratchy cartoons, or whatever. And they walk and they pass this same water cooler like seven times before they get to his office. And like the same water cooler plant doorway thing. And uh, I really appreciate that a lot. You got to love the, the, that animation style where it's just kind of the repeat. Uh, yeah. They have like the same, you know, two second thing and it just loops. Yeah. And it feels that way. And But you, you change things up enough in this context, you'll yeah. never know. You'll never know. I wonder if there's some sort of practical, pragmatic reason why, like, people like to film and set in New York City where it's like the streets are already sort of like it's a street. It's a, you know, all the things are, you know, 90 degree blocks. So you're filming here. You can film these three blocks over and over and over again without like if you were filming in D.C., in Washington, D.C., right there. 
it would be, I feel like it'd be more visually clear that you weren't, that you were going around and around and around again. Not just because the Washington Monument, which is visible at every point in Washington, D.C. The Brooklyn Bridge of would, right, like Right. Um, but like, because it's not a square grid and is more like a concentric circle thing, I feel like it's less easy to sort of repeat like block runs than it is with like a, a you know, 90 degree angle thing. I wonder. Because it's weird angles, yeah. Yeah, they they do have, I mean, at the end of this street, there is like a building blocking it. Like the buildings kind of bend around to a kind of a 90 degree angle at the end of this street. And uh, we never quite get there. They turn before they actually get to that end. But, uh, you know, it does make me wonder, uh, like, once you go around that corner, is there another street there or is that the end? Like, how, how expansive is the New York street set at Universal Studios? And how much have they digitally added onto all this? Like, I, I'm not not actually sure. Back then, probably not nearly as much as it would be now. Like when they did um, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, like being on the bridge is like, it's incredible what they can do now because there's things where people are like, oh, the CGI is so bad. But there is stuff in that movie that like I straight up could not tell was CG until looking at something in like later on when they're breaking it down. I was like, that wasn't real either. You know, you're like, it, it's crazy sometimes. So, like, they add so much in that movie, for example. Whereas I feel like in these early movies, when they were on that Paramount budget, they were probably like, okay, you know, turn before you get to the end of the street because we can't show that that's where craft services is. So, right, right, right. <laughs> Chris Evans runs into the, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Grabs a sandwich. No, Grabs a sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> The grapes go everywhere. It's funny, Colin. That's uh, what you just described with like, oh, that 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 would that bridge was CGI, CGI, and whatever. I think that's the plot of Far From Home. I think you just described the plot of Far From Home. Like, you make the entire landscape CGI, and no one can tell the difference. And then you can do all your nefarious stuff. It's like they, it's like they, they pulled from their own set. It's like, it's like the, yeah, exactly. The, it's an Aurora Boris or whatever. Yeah, like, you know the snake yeah. in the, the, the special effects department has become the film. Spider-Man eating his own web shooter. Something something like that. (laughs) Sometimes you get hungry. All right. So anyway, so back to the story here. So Steve runs up and over this car. I tried figuring out who this old man was in the car. I couldn't figure it out. There is a person who uh, credited themselves on IMDb as the American civilian 1940s. (laughs) God love Love him. Chris Wilson. But I, I looked at Chris Wilson. I'm like, it could be Chris Wilson, but I'm not quite sure if it is. So I don't think... This is a person who did that. Just so you know, anyone who's been in a movie, you can add yourself to a film if you've been in it. And I will tell you from experience on these sorts of projects, it really helps us if you add stills from behind the scenes of you in that. So I can very easily pinpoint you. There was an actor who played a bartender in Iron Man. Um, at the at the ball when when Tony shows up and and dances with Pepper, um, who uh, I would, never would have known that it was him except for the fact that he added a whole bunch of behind the scenes photos of himself on the set. I'm like, oh, of course, that's you, it's, that guy, right? Yeah. So just a hint. Or if you if you have a if you have a line, that's where I always click. Hopefully, like even if it's just like yep or whatever. Yeah, the guy who says put yep. that in the in the section. <laughs> yeah. Put that in the section, because if it's like, you know, Tony says, hey, man, and you're like, yep. And he's like, what? And that will tell me. Yeah. 
you can name yourself. And it's important to learn how to spell and spell it properly. There are a lot of people who, uh, unfortunately, well, especially last season in Thor, who really had no idea how to spell all of the, the names of the, uh, the Einherjar guards and things like that. It was, it was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and, but here, like, also, you have people who, um, you know, they, they don't quite get soldier spelled properly, you know, things like right. that. But, you know, right. It's mm, all right. Yeah, it's all right. Solider. But it does help if you can give us a little more specific information. Absolutely. And I will shout out the people that put themselves in IMDb all day long. I, I've done it multiple times. Just like, good for you. Just really like, got you know, 1940s man. You're just like, <laughs> absolutely. Well done. <laughs> No one knows who you mean. But. <laughs> right. There's there is a 1940s New York car driver, Sam Fink. I don't know where you are, Sam, but I am glad that you got yourself here on IMDb with a photo so that I can I can say, you know what? Sam Fink is somewhere in here driving his car in New York. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the 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 little kid that we're going to meet uh, on the USO tour that's like, oh, behind you is credited to a person uh, that died that was a 70-year-old man. That that oh. died. Uh, it's the same yeah, name. Yeah, the the link is wrong or something. It was upsetting to read and then do weird math to understand that that wasn't that kid. That yeah, <laughs> that and that happens too. I had to I had to help uh, completely off off topic, but I had to help an aging screenwriter who um, he and his brother were were writers, and they he had no idea how to kind of clean up the IMDb. So I had to help him because his brother had died, and I had to help him kind of get the get all of that cleaned up for the two of them, removing things that they weren't involved in and all that sort of stuff. Because yeah, that's the other thing is people can say, oh, this is that person, and if you're not paying attention, you can accidentally, uh, you know tag the wrong person to a project and that that can be a pain to get removed yeah so a robbie down a robert downey jr type is very <laughs> different than <laughs> exactly <laughs> i almost called him robbie downey jr which R- is not what robbie <laughs> robbie d robbie yeah all right well enough of this imdb tangent that we're on <laughs> i want to talk about steve and his leaping abilities because we saw him leap over the fence but now as we said he already he he runs up onto a car we've seen that it's parkour time. it's time for a little parkour he jumps from that car onto a gray car driving in the same direction uh, or driving in the opposite direction and then he leaps and if you look at the cars, first of all, the cab is like closer to him than the truck that he's going to leap to. Uh, he leaps over three other cars and, uh, you know, in, in a fantastic, you know, wire removal sort of mm-hmm. shot of him flying through the air. Mm-hmm. He lands <laughs> on the, the flatbed truck and then jumps to the, the cab. Actually, Chris can just do that, actually. I'm not sure. This is a this is a, actually I know you don't want to move past IMDb, but in the trivia, they actually mentioned that he was like, no harness. I got this. I, can, I actually I can do this. And I can do it all day. <laughs> can I land in a flatbed? I can. Great. He was like, huh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's an audition piece. But you'll only the one take. The one take. Uh, you know, this is I, what do you think of the leap? Do you buy the distance of this jump that he does? Absolutely. There's several like video like I, I want to, you know, double tap the jump button to get that extra leap video game stuff. Right. That is exactly what I want. I don't want my superhero being like, okay, and step from car to car to car to car to car to car. I won't know. Jump that. Jump those cars. You have to believe that one if you then want to be able to believe the moment at the end of the movie when he jumps from a moving vehicle onto a clearly much faster plane 
and jump and make that distance and also like land because the amount of force and how fast he has to be moving there as well is insane. So like this one, you have to do that. We talked to some guys about that scene and they, they, I don't know. They just didn't, (laughs) they didn't get it. Yeah. Wasn't that me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh uh Yeah. I know. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. What I do like about the leap is aside from the fact that when you're looking at the film slowly, like we are frame by frame, it doesn't really quite look like any of this actually would fit together. Like that leap doesn't look like it actually goes that far, but you know what? It's fine for the, for the purposes of the story. It is cool to see because yeah, you do expect to see him do kind of that leapfrog from, okay, now he's going to hit the next car and then the next car and the next car. But no, he goes over those three cars. The only issue I have with the way that it's constructed is that truck, like it's so far ahead and it's not quite as visible as it should be or could be so that when he actually lands on it, you know that there's a truck up ahead. Because when he lands on it first, I'm like, there wasn't even a truck. Where is he he (laughs) jumping to? And yeah, if you look at it slowly, you can see, okay, there is a truck, but it's way up there. There was actually another establishing shot, but they cut it for time. And someone was like, you're going to need that shot. And they're like, no, we're fine. Joe Johnson's like, absolutely not. That's no. We're cutting the whole truck driver's side plot. Nobody's ever going (laughs) to look at it that closely. It's 50 frames out of a 60 frame situation. I think we're fine. And it's like, oh, all right. We're on the roof of a car. So he jumps onto the roof of the taxi. He's holding on for dear life. This is such a movie trope, um, but it works. I mean, how, how does it play for you, Steve, jumping on and, uh, you know, he basically belly flops onto the top of the taxi and now is kind of going for a ride. And it's it's the trope. He's holding on. The driver is swerving around trying to shake him loose and then starts shooting through the roof. How does all this work for the two of you? I mean, you know, we got the, the, they 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 hit the triumvirate over the course of the movie. This is the the automobiles, and he will do this same thing on a plane and a train. So, it um yeah, I mean I it, I mean it makes me nervous, but in a you know how I want to be nervous for the hero in an action movie sort of way works totally fine for me, absolutely. Except for like, you know, how does he know? Teach me your ways of dodging bullets of guns you can't see firing. There is there is a weird, like, Spider-Man, Spidey sense moment there where I'm kind of like, ah. But, I mean, that's the other thing, right, is that there's so many people that, like, for example, if I were to be holding on to the top of a car going 25, 30 miles per hour, and I was swerving around and I was getting shot at, I would most certainly, one, fall off first. But also, two, if I somehow did hold on, I would definitely get shot. But, like, there's few people who I think could hold on to the top of a car um, and, like, not ranked in any specific order. But, like, obviously Spider-Man, Wolverine because of claws, uh, Reed Richards just because stretchy. You know, I feel like you can get a real good grip because you can right. just like a like a Garfield decal, like just like. Yeah, because you could also just sort of like wrap your arms and limbs, like just like through the you know windows and he stuff, just, and you're fine. He just has to be careful; he doesn't let loose and turn into go parachute, go full parachute, right. like uh, yeah. yeah, go parachute, right. That's why he can't attach his legs. Unless right. that's the move, and you just pull well, the, the car up in the air. I mean, like, right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he's like, now I've got you. <laughs> uh, and then also, um, you know, Captain America, because, like, the super strength to me is, like, super grip. But I feel like, you know, Colin Parker, the first the first little, er, I'm like, all right, see you. Yeah, I'm bye. in someone else's windshield. Um, yeah, goodbye. Th- this is why the healing factor is both the most gigantic cop-out and also the most comforting thing in comics. Like, 
Wolverine gets blasted in the face and you're like, yeah, man, that sucks that he has that pain that has happened to him. Anyways, let's give him a sec to recuperate here and then we'll get back to the fight. Right. If Steve Rogers gets shot on top of a moving car, I mean, he'll probably shake it off and run the guy down anyway. But like, it's a different thing than like, you know, in in those X-Men movies, like Wolverine gets shot and he's just like, ouch, stop that. Well, that's also the adamantium bones as well, too, because, like, you know, like, it stops those things, like, whereas, like, Steve, he's a little more fleshy. So, like, I mean, yeah, he's, he's yeah. got some muscle, you know, he's got way more muscle almost. But, like, you know, he does get shot uh, or, you know, in other movies, he's get he gets hurt and he shakes it off way faster than anyone else would. So he's like, he's got, like, faster healing, but it's not like... I don't know what the word for it is. Like it's like halfway between superpower versus superhuman almost. Just like a optimized as opposed to extra Yeah. Uh extraordinary. It's not quite like instantaneous, but he can right. Right. get well. Right. Pretty he recuperates quick. fine, yeah. Exactly. Well and, and it's it's important to say he's not bulletproof. Like, uh, and that's correct. That's, I, correct. I suppose something that they're trying to do here is like he might have like enhanced uh reflexes now and so he may he probably can't Mm. tell where the bullet's going to come from but it seems to be as it's coming out he is able to kind of avoid getting hit and and it does make it seem like is there some super skill there the way that he's moving um to to avoid those has like a he hears the barrel hit the roof and like can like like daredevil yeah right 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 I mean, it, you know, the Captain America in the comics has and all of his senses are enhanced, too. And so right. Uh, right. they never really play with that in the films. But it does seem like there is some reflex thing that he's he's kind of given an ability to do here as he kind of doesn't doesn't get hit by the bullets. Uh, and uh, as as Kruger continues swerving around and shooting at him. Um, oh, and we should also say. At this point, Steve doesn't know what his powers are, right? I mean, he doesn't right. know. Correct. Am I right. impervious to bullets? I don't know. But, <laughs> Only one you know, way to find just out. Right. An hour ago, I know I wasn't, so I sure am going to be avoiding all of these things. <laughs> He's still a little afraid of them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would still be like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't impervious to a light breeze. Um, <laughs> yeah. So right. Like, who when, knows? Yeah. When he swings down to the side of the car and and uh, and Kruger points the gun at him, I mean, yeah, he swings out of the way because he's just like, screw that, I don't want to get shot. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I mean, he got rid of all of his allergies except for the one to bullets. Like that's kind of really how that disease—not disease. I'm sorry. The um, the uh, super soldier serum works. Yeah, yeah. You you keep one. Everybody gets one. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, why did I keep asthma? Uh, it would have uh, he could have been uh, impervious to bullets if they didn't also have to make him beautiful. It was a trade off, and Erskine was like, "You know what? But I I want him to be pretty." And that's what the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Exactly, that was the big trade off. No one knows that uh, Quasimodo was actually bulletproof. <laughs> bulletproof. Uh, they never they never actually tried that. But they never really tried. Yeah, it. yeah. Have you tried shooting him, <laughs> Father? No. When? Yeah, you can't prove me wrong. <laughs> Um, we know that there are at least uh, four shots, four bullets used up in Kruger's uh, Walther that he's using here. Three into the roof and then one out the door. Um, I don't know if he reloaded because he was using his his uh, gun inside. I'm assuming that he did reload at some point. And now he's not using the Tommy gun, which he was also. Uh, no, he, the Tommy gun he probably left in the car that crashed. So he's just got his just got the, the Walther right now. 
but they go into let's let's start talking about this new location. So they end up uh, outside of Pier 13. This was filmed on Regent Road in Liverpool, where they where they filmed this location, and uh, this is where they crash. And and as they're swerving around, the car crashes and rolls. Steve jumps. Uh, well, he, it, I don't know. In the script. It's kind of like a log roll, and he's running on the top of it, and it's a little ridiculous. I'm really glad that they chose not to do him running on a log roll. That would have been utter, utter nonsense. Uh, but it just kind of, it just, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it would have been perfect with the, the uh, dancing monkey uh, image that we have Thor later. throwing a full tree in the background. Let's just get real with these heroes. <laughs> That's right. So the car crashes, and Steve, I guess, just ends up on the road. The pier, though, that you're talking about is actually from Hoboken, which is the fascinating, like, element of that. Like, unless they renumbered things, which was something else that we talked about, because I couldn't find a listing of pier numbers in the 1940s. Uh, but currently, as it stands, this is Pier 13. Pier 13 is from Hoboken, which is right across the river and just a little bit sadder is what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> Yeah, I found I found a Pier 13 up in Hoboken as well. I was trying to find one. There are a bunch of piers down in in Brooklyn. A lot of them don't have uh, numbers. Like it hits a certain point where they right. just kind of stop. And some was, of them are like just Atlantic Avenue. Yeah, uh, right. For example, stuff like that. Yeah, I I kind of assumed that at some point between 1943 and today, they've done a lot of uh, remodeling and repositioning and who knows what with these different piers it really does look like at well and we'll talk about it in a later minute i suppose uh, more about the pier and what you can see from it and stuff but um yeah it is pretty it is pretty cool i I like this as a as a quick psa short for distracted driving like hey don't focus too much on shooting the the man that's riding on top or on side of your car because you who's teen wolfing your car you need to keep your eyes on the road because that is unsafe for you, the driver as well. So, like, you know, just like you have a friend, a designated shooter. Well, I guess he did. Well, he did, but then <laughs> they got shot too. But yeah. <laughs> pull over to the side of the road and shoot if you need to. Right, exactly. The, like, you know, your your shooting can wait. You know? <laughs> right, right. Pull um, over to a com- come to a complete stop in a safe place. Then you can get out and continue your shooting. on your hazards. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Tell your friends and family, hey. I can't shoot until I park, okay? I'm driving. Please hold on. Strap yourself down. Stay safe. Mother Kruger. Yeah. Okay. Um, We do see the door come off of the taxi cab, and, uh, you know, maybe that's going to come into play. Who knows? I I did like, I was paying attention to the rates on the side of the car. Uh, 20 cents for the first mile, 5 cents for each additional quarter mile. I couldn't find anything, like I was looking for rates of the time of the 40s. I know there was some gas rationing going on because of uh, the war and stuff. I, I couldn't find the specific rates, but... Uh, I don't know. It seemed it seemed reasonable to me. I'm sure that the art department probably did some research and and yeah, did that. I would love a twenty cents for a smile. You know, <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> Back in my did day, you yeah. say for a smile? Uh, no, or first mile. First you were actually mile. making a a, a taxi comment, mile. and I was like, <laughs> what a wild, what a wild tangent. I mean, like, huh. I can give you a smile for, free, for a smile. That seems cheap for a New York cabbie. <laughs> you want me to smile? It's the last more than 20 cents, buddy. 
It's that thing where it's like, you know, give me a Coke is a $5 Coke. Give me a Coke, please, is a, you know, $2, you know, please yeah. and thank you is a buck fifty or whatever. Right. It's right, like right. you're, you're, you know, <laughs> cab ride's a little cheaper if you, if you say it with a smile or don't run along top of it or don't crash into me and right. then steal my car. All those things. And don't shoot through the roof. <laughs> please. Oh, come on. <laughs> I hope our cabbie was insured because his car is uh, is pretty messed up now. Not only is the car like it's rolled a few times, but yeah, uh, he also is missing a door. Yeah. And hopefully nothing else happens to the door. Maybe they can just put it right back on. I guess we'll see in the next minute. Yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. probably be fine. It'll probably right. be fine. The speed holes. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts uh, from either of you on this minute? Otherwise, I feel like we could uh, wrap this one up and come back tomorrow for 42. What do you think? Yeah, I'm good. This scene is the kind of scene that makes me uh, want to uh, just stay at home and just let other people do the superheroing because it's like you got to get on of all sorts of cars. Then you got they flip the car and you got to hope that works out okay. It's just it's just so much work. Is you're like yeah, Ugh. yeah. run how far barefoot yeah Ugh. and stunt cars where they've like really kind of the 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 transportation department has like cleaned all the things in the car that could potentially do anything and yeah made it very safe to do this sort of yeah. thing so yeah it's a lot i will file some paperwork do we have i'll do i'll do the i'll do agent carter's work they give her yeah just like give me can i type something i'll do the Let dishes the if you guys want <laughs> oh speaking of peggy i did want to say uh, there was in the script. We do actually have a moment outside after Steve runs off. She actually stops a car, and the driver's like, "Don't go that way, lady!" And she takes, you know, it's the whole movie trope. She takes the car from him, and she she pursues. And so, in the script, Peggy, Peggy actually chases after. Well, and, and I'll, I'll talk about that more uh, when we come to the end of this chase because uh, th- that will resolve itself. Huh? Peggy, yeah, Peggy always chases. Leave <laughs> Peggy to do the work is the theme of this of this whole like day. Is like, all right, Steve, yeah, go run on the track. Peggy's got this. Just chill out. Right. She would have done that full vertical leap over the car. She was fine. Just, yeah. I mean, it adds more context to the whole what if version of this right. exact moment. That's right. So that's right. That's true. All right, you two. Uh, well, remind everyone about your podcast and where people can tune in and hear more about uh, what you two are up to. Sure. So our show is called Timeline Scavengers. It's an MCU podcast uh, that we do three times a week currently, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's specifically designed to last forever. Uh, it's a show where we go through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time, um, which basically means until Kevin Feige says, we've made enough money, which will probably never happen. Um, so we do have people in line to take over for the day that one of us can no longer continue um, uh, our journey. Uh, and so you can find that show at pod.link slash timeline scav, the T and the S are capitalized. Um, or you can follow that same at Timeline Scav on Twitter uh, because we post there frequently. And we do have all the links in the show notes, so you can just click on the links right there. And uh, it'll take you right to their site, and you can follow them, tune into their show, and all that good stuff. So that's it for Minute 41. Uh, we're going to close shop for today. Pete, continue getting well, and we'll be back tomorrow. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson, 
This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.